This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Football Social Daily. Premier League Preview. Hello and welcome to the Football Social Daily weekend preview show, giving you the latest team news, predictions and insight ahead of a busy weekend of Premier League action. As well as our daily podcast, we're also going to give you daily Premier League news with updates of all 20 Premier League teams every single day. All you have to do is ask your Amazon Alexa device and simply say Sports Social. Right, the international break is over. We're firmly back on the Premier League drum, banging it loud and proud. There's some huge games on at the weekend. We're going to be talking about Leicester visiting Old Trafford, Manchester City and Norwich and Tottenham with a tricky test at home to Crystal Palace. We'll also be looking at all the other games and about the growing issue of racism in Italian football. But to get me through it, I'm not alone. Joining me is a good friend from the Football Republic and Sport and Earlham. It's Richard Johnson. Hi, Will. How are you? Good, thank you. Fancy forward to this. Yeah, you sure? Yeah. Lovely stuff. Also, is Fergal from Sports Social. How are you, Fergal? Hello, yeah. Good, 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 good. And Jack... Uh, the football news correspondent for the North. How are you, mate? I'm not too bad, how are you? Yeah, I'm all right. Well, I got through the intro now. Uh, we're going to start with Old Trafford. Uh, we've got Chris Darwin, who is from the Total Football Analysis Show, and he's going to be joining us right now. Chris, how are you? Very well, Will. How are you, mate? Yeah, very well. Thank you, mate. So it's a big game at the weekend. Uh, we've been talking about it in the office, but United, are they in a false league position due to their expected points? Break that down for me. Yeah, I mean... You can sort of look at the games and go, yeah, United probably should have won a couple of those. But when you actually go into the detail of that and look at the goals that they should have scored, and by using expected goals, you can sort of predict the higher probability chances that should have hit the back of the net, like penalties, for example. <laughs> um, and then you look at the goals that they conceded that actually the stats tell us they probably shouldn't have conceded. Then you can then start to work out where they should actually be in the league. And yeah, all right, a lot of people are going to go, yeah, yeah, well, where, whatever. They're they're not doing as well as they should. But actually, their expected points would suggest they should be in second place at the moment, which is quite surprising given that they they haven't won since the Chelsea game. So is that a lot of down to mistakes at the back? Obviously, we've seen De Gea uh, carrying on his form from the back end of last season. Um, if they shore that up at the back, w- would these problems simply be be changed straight away? In theory, yeah. Um, I mean, the 
The issue United have at the moment is that they're at the front, they're pressing really well. So you can see the likes of James, Rashford, Martial when he's fit. They're actually doing the, the initial bit of closing down the opposition and putting them under pressure. And again, you saw that in the Chelsea game when there were a few mistakes in Chelsea's defence, which led to United chances. The problem is, and this is where it could come into play for Leicester, is that if Leicester can get through that initial onrush of the United attackers, then they're going to have space to go and play in midfield. And in midfield, for, for Leicester, you've got Madison, you've got Tielemans, who are two very, very good players, who if they're given that time and space that United opposition are finding in midfield at the moment, then they could then they could go and have a lot of fun. Now, what happened in the Wolves game, for example, was that when it came to defending that space, it was McTominay who was moving more out to the left to uh, to defend the space that Rashford was leaving because Rashford was staying very high up the pitch. Now, that led to what we probably all consider a bit of a mistake because that left Paul Pogba to be disciplined enough in front of the two central defenders and to defend that space. Now, Pogba isn't always that type of player, depending on depending on sort of how the game's going. And then you've seen that other teams so far this season have caused problems in there. Leicester will definitely be looking at that and seeing if there's a way that they can put Maguire and Lindelof under a lot of pressure because of the lack of protection in front. So with the pressure, obviously, there's one man who can apply that, Jamie Vardy. Will he be looking to exploit uh, Maguire and Lindelof? I mean, he's got to be, really. I mean, uh, Vardy running into the channels. Although Leicester do play differently to how they played when we remember the, like the, the, the Leicester title winning side, they don't hit it into Vardy as early as they would do. But... Brendan Rodgers has adapted his normal style of playing with a centre forward to occasionally to look to look to get Vardy in behind a lot sooner than they would do with a normal a normally more patient sort of build up. So there is potential there for that being the obvious place where you feel that, that Leicester could hurt them. But then with Vardy pushing the two central defenders deeper, you would imagine that's only going to create more space for Madison and T Elements to go to go and have some fun in. Right, I'm looking forward to it, Chris. I already feel like I've learned a lot already and I'm sure we'll <laughs> speak to you very soon. No worries, Will. Thanks, guys. Enjoy the game. Cheers, Thanks, Chris. Chris. That was Chris Arwin there from Total Football Analysis. Gents, Jack, I'll start with you. I'm almost thinking Leicester are favourites for this game. Am I, I mad? I, no, no, no. I'd have them down as favourites. Having watched United against Crystal Palace the other week, um, I'd definitely have Leicester. You, you, you kind of expect Leicester to break into the top six this, this year. Um, they'll let United have the ball, which United don't really want the football at all. They'd rather... Um, they'd rather nick the ball off your midfield and then turn you around quickly. Teams have kind of sussed them out a little bit under Solskjaer uh, and go to Old Trafford and allow United to kind of sit sit in possession and then they end up getting picked off. So, I'd, yeah, I'd have Leicester have started brilliantly. I'd have them as slight favourites. Rich, you uh, laughed at me when I said that Leicester would finish in the top six. We've actually got a steak dinner riding on this. Now uh, <laughs> four games into the season, um, I'll be having a sirloin, won't I? Um, not just yet, Will. Not just yet. No. I, I, th- I think um, you know. I've always said, and and even when we when we placed this wager, Will, I did say that Leicester were going to have a good season. I do think they breaking into top six. I think United will still retain that place because ultimately, I think people are relying on either them or Chelsea dropping out, and I just don't see that happening. You still don't but, see that happening. I still don't see it happening. Listen, they've had a they've had a torrid start. Actually, it's funny some of the stuff that Chris was saying. There was a a great article on. Uh, 
manunited.com by one of the the, the poor um uh, editors there who, uh, who 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 made an article on why united should be should have should have more points and should be higher than they are which felt like a really a uh, desperate attempt to to put a nice positive spin on things i felt a bit bit sorry for him because you know ultimately it's like saying that you know blackburn shouldn't be in the championship if we'd have kept hold of sam allardyce and Signed Lewandowski back in 2010. That's brilliant. You know. we're, we're eight minutes in, and that's the first Blackburn reference. That's very impressive. <laughs> Fergal, can you be the man in the middle to kind of split me and Rich up? Um, how good are Leicester? Um, I mean, I hate to take sides in this, but I'm definitely edging more towards more towards you, Will. Thank you. Your mic think, will stay faded. Oh. Up. I just think the way that they've the way they've started the season has been excellent, and, and as you mentioned, they've kind of remodelled slightly from what they they were from that title winning side. There's still a lot of the same. Um, kind of tools that they use in order to break teams down they do look to get forward quickly but the kind of surprise ball in behind is not so much of a surprise anymore what they do now and I think Madison and and Yuri Tillemans in particular are absolutely key to this they're far more competent at retaining possession now they don't have to fire Vardy in as quickly they know in someone like Madison he can get on the half turn he can look to create something Tillemans I was really impressed with him at the back end of last season when he came in on loan and he's continued that now after he made the made the permanent move to Leicester. And I think when you look at the way United are with the injury situation they have at the moment, touched on it a moment ago with, with Chris, with the issue with Pogba and not necessarily having a midfielder that's natural at sitting. I just think in, in the spaces that Madison likes to operate, that Tillemans likes to drive into, mm-hmm. United are going to find themselves missing. I think those areas where in the past Vardy would be looking, I know he scored the, yeah. the fantastic goal a few weeks ago where the, the long ball came to him, but what Vardy tends to do now is he stands on the shoulder and he'll do a 10-15 yard sprint because Madison will post a little ball in for him. I think in that area, United look very immobile. Harry Maguire, for all his positives, he's... His strength is coming onto the ball, winning the ball and bringing the ball out himself. Yep. In those tight areas, that's sometimes when he does struggle. He'll be, he'll be looking to Victor Lindelof to help him out. Yep. Either side of him as well, obviously Aaron Wan-Bissaka, uh, we were chatting before, I think he's pretty much definite to miss out through injury. Luke Shaw is out of action. Vardy will be loving this. He'll be standing on the other side of the centre-back because he knows he'll be up against maybe Ashley Young or maybe Marcus Rocco and he'll be waiting for that ball. He'll be saying to Madison, get me in. And I just think... United are not the type, particularly at Old Trafford, they're not going to sit back. They're not going to sit back against any side. They are going to be, you know, the crowd will force the back four up 15, 20 yards and that will be absolute music to Vardy's ears. Jack, um, United, we were speaking about the injury crisis. Well, not crisis, but they're they're racking up. European campaign starting. How will they, would that be a distraction for them or is it just going to hamper their league form even further? It's going to be a massive distraction for them, but I think... Um, it'll be interesting to see how he approaches the Europa League because he's talked up Mason Greenwood he's talked up James Garner in midfield now do these lads then get told the Europa League is yours to go and go and play and then you know that's a, that's a hell of a lot of pressure for teenagers but do we do United want to have the sort of campaign they had on the Mourinho a few years ago where they go and win it and then you kind of have that sort of feel good factor yeah or do they kind of concentrate on the league and, you know, you look at the competition for the top four, is it actually better prioritising the Europa League, even this early? I don't yeah. know. What happens, I know obviously we've chatted about this a few times on, on various shows in the last few weeks about pressure and managers under pressure. Solskjaer is going to be a manager that will be heavily scrutinised this season, regardless of what happens in, in the next few weeks and months with Manchester United. 
if results do start going against him, particularly against sides like Leicester, who, with the greatest respect in the world, I know obviously they've they've won the league title in recent years. United fans won't accept losing at home to Leicester and won't accept, obviously, a few weeks ago losing at home to Palace. Where do we see this going for Solskjaer in the next few weeks, few months? If he isn't able to get up ahead of steam and, and get a level of consistency going, where do we see the pressure start to tell on him? Well, I think the biggest indication of where they are at the moment is that I can't really speak for United fans, but you'd think they'd probably take a point on Saturday. Which is a mad reflection of how things are. I think the main one is, isn't it, how long is this like love affair going to last with Ole Gunnar Solskjaer being the super sub, really, isn't it? Because at the end it was waning, but if you think Mourinho would have had those same results, there'd have been mutiny, wouldn't there, Rich? I think, you know, ultimately we know that the issues at United go deeper than chopping and changing the manager every, every, you know, sort of uh, every season or so. Um, Ultimately... You know, Old Trafford isn't a fortress anymore. It hasn't been for, you know, sort of four years or so. I think, you know, uh, Mourinho, you know, was kind of trying to do a, a a job in terms of not losing at home, ultimately. Like, like you said, you know, fans kind of accepting that, uh, you know, a point wasn't good enough, but really he was trying not to lose at home. You know, now you look at it and you go, Leicester are coming and they will be... All guns blazing. They'll be knowing. They'll be looking at that 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 team. Um, looking at that, they might have some young lads coming into the squad tomorrow. Greenwood, Gomez, Chong, because Pogba's out, Martial's out. Um, you know, it's uh, it's going to be a very interesting game. And I also think that Leicester are going to nick this. Right. Well, you've put your uh, predictions out there, Rich. <laughs> I'll start with you. What are you going to go for for a score prediction? I'm going to go for two on Leicester. Nice, Fergal. Um, one nil Leicester. I don't think they'll get that many chances, but I think with with Vardy the form he's in, he, he might just need one. Jack, can I go the same as Richard? Yeah, do what you want, mate. <laughs> Two one Leicester. No, I need. I'm joking. Uh, no, fantastic. Right, we're going to take a short break and then we'll be back with you very very soon. Football Social Daily. Get daily news and updates on your team via your Amazon Alexa. Just ask Alexa. Open Sports Social. Football Social Daily, Premier League Preview. So before the break, we were chatting about the red half of Manchester and now we're going to switch sides to the blue half. Manchester City travel to Norwich. Rich, Norwich are absolutely ravened with injuries. Manchester City, I mean, how many are you saying? Five, six? I think it's easy to look at a, a bit of a demolition for, for City here. Um, Fark is being positive. You know, he he has said, although he's got, I think it's 11 players out. Definitely up there. Actually, he's he's not making excuses and he's going for it, which, which, you know, you've got to admire. You can only imagine a bit of a rousing speech that he's going to give before they they go out there tomorrow. But... um, you know, listen. They've had a a bit of a a bit of a hit and miss start. Obviously, uh, a few pookie parties, um, but I'm not sure whether we're going to see that see that uh, today with uh, with with the city game. I think you know, there's a few exciting players coming back from the international break on highs. Sterling, obviously, De Bruyne um, with a fantastic international break, and um, yeah, they're missing Laporte, who's out for an extended period. But I think you can only see this going one way. Jack, you're our man in the know. Laporte out for a long time. Um, Sane, the injuries are kind of piling up in those areas. How how will they counteract these problems? Uh, by having very good replacements. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's weird. It, it, it's really strange the amount of knee injuries they've had over the last 
three years. Is that you know? down to the style and the I pressing? I don't know. Or? It's really odd that they've had like five quite serious knee problems um, while Pep, Pep's been there. Um, racking up those bills to Barcelona, aren't they? I know. Well, well, that was the big thing. Sane didn't go to Barcelona. He went to uh, he went to Austria to get his done, which I'm not sure. There'll be a word in an ear about that. I reckon. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But I think, I mean, uh, in the central defensive sense. Fernandinho's been training to become a centre half since the start of the season, which is obviously not not that long, only a few weeks. He's seen as the kind of uh third choice behind um Stones and Otamendi. Yeah. Stones has obviously had like serious problems in the last six months, both on and off the pitch. His personal problems have um have affected affected his form and part of the reasons why he's not been playing and has made mistakes for City and England. So it'd be interesting to see how he goes and him. He's not really played that often with Otamendi. You know, I think they only started three games together in the Premier League last year. So you, I mean, you were telling us off air as well. As it stands, they don't plan to replace Laporte in January. No, they they are pretty adamant that they're not going to sign anyone, uh, sign a centre half in in January. Which does that mean we finally get to see some of this this amazing new system, or is this just a kind there, of there are two there are two lads coming out of the academy that they really really like one's Eric Garcia from Barcelona that they signed a couple of years ago um, that Pep loves he's quite um, he's smallish not the quickest but his reading of the game is incredible Yeah, uh, they really really like him and there's a young lad from I think he's from Stockport same as Foden oh, called <laughs> Taylor Harwood Bellis who went on tour and he's only what a name that is <laughs> yeah, yeah. sounds like he owns the Hat Museum <laughs> if, if, you have, if you're not an, an English uh, young player without a double, double barrel name these days, you, you're, you're doing something really. wrong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Change definitely, mind. definitely. Um, Fergal, <laughs> obviously Laporte's out. Yeah. All we speak about is Virgil van Dijk at Liverpool. How important he is to that back four, which revolutionised it. How yeah. important is Laporte to Manchester City's back four? Massive. I think he is. He's the key figure. Obviously, in terms of his his leadership and his organisation, as you say, the kind of rejuvenation that Van Dijk has done at Liverpool isn't on the same level. But what Laporte has done is he's solved the problem for Man City that Man City might not have even realised existed, which was when they played against certain sides, Stones and Otamendi, which is potentially going to be the starting lineup against Norwich don't really go well together. They both like to bring the ball out. They're both a little bit vulnerable under the high ball. A ball in behind, neither of them are really natural at dealing with that. What I really, really like about Laporte is, from a defensive point of view, there's very few weaknesses in his game. His recovery pace is excellent. He's really good in the air. And he, and he you know, to borrow a bit of an old cliche, I think Jim's taken the cliche bell home with him today, thank God. Um, he loves to defend. He loves to defend. He, he, you know, part of the reason he got injured um, before the international break was going for a tackle, and he and he fell awkwardly. Uh, well, tackle slash foul, um, and and that's obviously been been the undoing of him. I think in terms of how City will will go from this, I can see Guardiola bringing Stones in for certain games. I think Norwich, as we chatted about, is a bit of a free hit in terms of what City are expected to do. You know, we're talking three, four, five, six nil possibly. I think for big games. Given the fact that Laporte is out for so long, I think we're going to see Fernandinho playing centre-back more than we might expect. Guardiola's spoken very, very highly of him as a defender. He's got the brain. He's got that fantastic positional sense. And so many times, you know, over the last two seasons, maybe even longer, he was playing as an auxiliary centre-back because one of the centre-backs would be coming out with the ball. And I think in in these tight situations that City are going to find themselves in these season, this season, sorry, they can't afford to lose and drop points to other top four sides. Someone like Fernandinho gives you a level of consistency that 
potentially John Stones doesn't, even though it's not his natural position. Is it? Is it? I mean, you know, obviously the, the impact of Laporte as their main and best centre back is going to be, you know, quite critical. But is it going to be mainly critical for Liverpool, the, the Liverpool game? You know, well, yeah, is, there, is there enough teams who are going to really challenge City when it comes to you know a holistic game, um, you know, to sort of worry them, mm. or, or is it mainly just that Liverpool game that the, the sort of we might be looking at really? Jack, I mean, you, I mean, you've seen us seen them more than the most of us. Do you think tomorrow is obviously like Rich had a bit of a free hit? It is, but I think Guardiola's so obsessed with the Premier League. I'm winning it, um, and he's desperate to win a third on the trot. That I think he plays his, I think he plays what he sees as his best, his best side in Premier League games. And I think at the moment, I take I take the point about Fernandinho, but I think at the moment that would be then Stones and Otamendi mm-hmm. together. Even though as I said before, they're not played much together in the last twelve months. Um, and the other thing is, Stones needs games. They really need to get him back, fit and firing. Yeah, needs a full season. Yeah, he and it, you know the next. Six months without Laporte are absolutely massive for him. I think it's kind of sink or swim for him a little bit. Yeah, I think if he's in a position where he can, as we said, get his head straight, get himself fit, he can potentially replace Laporte in that I'm the boss of this defence. When you watch City, it's Laporte in the absence of company now and obviously when company wasn't playing regularly uh, last season. It's Laporte barking the orders. Even over to the other side of uh, the other side of the defence, telling Carl Walker where to be, telling Fernandinho where to be how that will affect City I think will be very very important and that's why we might see as, as I said before a bit of a chopping and changing between Stones, Stones and Fernandinho but this will be music to, to Liverpool fans ears you know the other end of the M62 Liverpool fans will be will be delighted with this because they know that this is an issue that they currently are not having to deal with because they've kept Van Dijk fit mm-hmm. and they've got backup in, in, in Joel Matip Joe Gomez even Dejan Lovren they've got these players available whereas City we're talking now of potentially a Fernandinho 34, 35 a 34, 35 year old central midfielder having to play centre back so those tiny little margins Guardiola and Klopp both said it at the start of the season who wins the league will be decided over really really small measures yep. that was the case last season and both of them are all too aware of it again this season I think City will be concerned that this is the margin that could damage them. Yeah, I think if if you take Van Dijk out of that team, City would be delighted. Yeah. You take Laporte out of City and Liverpool, we're looking at it going, we got a real chance to do it here. Yeah. Well, I mean, is it a real test for City now? Because I've been watching Liverpool without Alisson, that's really affected their playing style going forward. Just finally on this, how will Laporte's absence affect their playing style? Or are they just all drilled into this Pep Guardiola way? He, Laporte's the best passer of the ball at the back. Yeah. Comfortably. Yeah. Yeah. Like he can, uh, watching his him spray the ball about 50, 60 yards opens teams up, mm-hmm. which I kind of gets overlooked by people, I think, because, you know, He's defending it, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But his, his ability on the ball is second tonight. Brilliant. Right, one. I want to run past you all before we get into the predictions. Come. Is anyone having Laporte is better than Virgil Van Dijk? I've seen some stats, not provided by Chris, uh, although that is domain. <laughs> but is anyone having that Laporte is better than Virgil Van Dijk? Because I'm, I'm not on the bandwagon, but I'm just chasing it down. Uh, Rich, I, I, I don't think you can make that call. No, at the moment. No. I think you know the job that Van Dijk's done to sort of revolutionised Liverpool um, is massive and you know the talk is that he's going to be the best ever Premier League centre-back which is a pretty tall order Fergal yeah I'd agree I think Laporte is, is in that box just below Van Dijk but 
again, to, to basically just follow on what Richard just said, when you look at what the importance Van Dijk has had for that Liverpool team, not just on the pitch, off the pitch, in terms of their mentality, and in terms of helping younger players like Trent Alexander-Arnold and, and Andy Robertson either side of him, it's been absolutely massive. But it's not, it's not to put a black mark against Laporte's name. I, I do genuinely, when I look at centre-backs across Europe, he, he's in the box just below, but Van Dijk for me is, is, is on his own. Jack, if he can lead to that Champions League success that they've been craving for so long, would he, yeah, would he beat him? City wanted Laporte before they wanted Van Dijk and then they wanted Van Dijk instead of Laporte and then they went back to Laporte because they thought Van Dijk was too expensive but it's Van Dijk the all-round yeah. better centre-half. But then, yeah, if Laporte, you know, you had a, if you had a Champions League victory to any of those players, yeah. they are immediately elevated to another level, aren't they? Fantastic. <laughs> right, we're going into predictions time. Jack, I'll start with you. Man in the know, what are you going for? Um... City win 5-2. 5-2, like that. We're bringing off of the England-Kosovo game. Like action. <laughs> Fergal? 4-1. Uh, Pookie to, to Nick 1 for Norwich. And Rich? I was also going to go 4-1. 4-1 to one. Norwich. You were going 4-1 Norwich, to, were you? To Norwich, yeah. yeah. Pookie yeah. party. For four. Yeah. No, no, obviously City. Obviously today as well, we've got Tottenham versus Crystal Palace. Rich, Crystal Palace have had a better start than we expected. Tottenham have had a worse start than we expected. But how important was it for Spurs to keep Christian Eriksen? Yeah, he, he, I mean, you know, I, I would. Spurs have stuttered. You know, they've they've had a, a bit of a slow start. Um, but I think it would have been interesting to see. You'd expect them now to get some momentum and potentially starting today against Palace. Um, you, you'd be worried if if Eriksen had left, what sort of gap that would have left for them. Mm-hmm. Um, Particularly with a few kind of injuries and, and niggles coming through. Obviously, we haven't seen the teams out yet, but, you know, uh, like Ndombele having a bit of a knock, that yeah. sort of stuff, you know, you, you would have been a bit more worried for them. Uh, obviously, they were looking at, you would imagine, though, if Ericsson had gone, they would have brought in one of those replacements that they were looking at, mm-hmm. like the Bruno Fernandes, um, which obviously no one ended up signing. But um, it looks like it's probably just a matter of time for, for Ericsson. I mean, he's not going to renew and <laughs> he's uh, he's he's going to be on the way out in the summer, so they'll have a problem. Is Bruno Fernandes actually real? That's the thing, <laughs> isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Exists. No, I've seen him cry once because he thought he was leaving Lisbon, but then we couldn't confirm whether it was tears or sweat. Did, did you not see the YouTube montage? <laughs> that's, that's any Which system. one? <laughs> yeah. uh, Jack, Spurs have fa- f- uh, failed to deceive this at the start of the season. The game's against Villa, where they should have rolled them over. They didn't score to the last 20 minutes. That Newcastle one is obviously still fresh in people's minds. Our team's going to uh, their new stadium and almost treating it as like one of those big days out, especially Roy Hodgson. Get everyone behind the ball, no strikers, and try and get a point or even nick a win yeah no I thought about that it's like kind of I suppose it's like going to Wembley isn't it a little bit in a way yeah because yeah you do treat it as a bit of a day and it's if it's your first first visit there and yeah I'd not really I'd not thought that it's kind of it's going to take a long time for them to kind of make it into a fortress because everything's new to it was everyone. the same with the Emirates as well wasn't it yeah. I mean that's okay just to get off the ground I mean they're still trying aren't they yeah, so. yeah. <laughs> yeah. oh god yeah <laughs> I I don't know, but it kind of Tottenham are always kind of slow starters, aren't they? Yeah. Um, and I know if results don't go their way this this weekend, they could find themselves like ten points behind. And that's big, isn't already. it? Yeah. And that's massive, and then that's the title gone already. So even with that new stadium, I a very very small point, but I find it weird where they put the away fans because they're mm. like front and center. Yeah. And you can see them, especially the Geordies when they were down there the other week. Kane's sort of. Not firing at the moment, Fergal. I mean, Adam is triple captain against Newcastle, so he 
really cost me badly. But um, <laughs> do you think... You're no, not bitter about it, though. No, I haven't even thought about it since. Um, but Christian Eriksen, he is staying. Will he be that catalyst? Because we saw him do it in the, in the, um, the Aston Villa game. Yeah. He seems to be the only one creatively firing at the moment. Well, I think the Villa game's a key one. When you look at the situation, he came off the bench and, and he turned the game for them. But the key aspect there was there was still the potential that he could leave then. The the European transfer window was still open. Yep. Now we're dealing with the Christian Eriksen, the other side of the closure of the European transfer window. So it's going to be very hard to gauge how he performs. You know, Pochettino and, and Eriksen are both going to trot out the lines of professional and get the job done and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, we'll, we'll be hearing this for the next six months. But... Ericsson laid his cards on the table during the summer. This wasn't a case of a flimsy link that he was, you know, potentially going. No, he came out in the summer and said that he wanted to leave, and pretty much said that said that if he was to stay, it would be against his his own will, really. You know, for want of a better word, and and that's now what's transpired. There's clearly a bit of a disconcord. Pochettino, I think, was reluctantly willing to let him go, but as we know with Tottenham. The real power lies with Daniel Levy. Daniel Levy's logic with Real Madrid is very clear. Unless I get the money that I'm asking, he's not going. I don't. I don't really care if there's 12 months on his contract or it potentially upsets the the footballing side of the club. Mm-hmm. Pochettino, I think, was open to him going. Eriksson himself was obviously open to him going. So I I don't really know how Pochettino manages this because, like we said before, with City and strongest teams, Tottenham's strongest eleven includes Christian Eriksson yep. right right in the heart of it and. If Tottenham want to have you know be in the title conversation, they're obviously going to be in the top four conversation. If they want to make an impact in the Champions League again this season, they're going to need him. They're going to need that creative force, set piece ability that he gives. How Pochettino changes his mentality when it's so blatantly obvious that he's off is a very very difficult one to call. And I think it could be one of the Jenga pieces that gets pulled out from under Tottenham this season because. It's going to mean if he's not performing, there's even more pressure on Kane. Kane's already under a massive amount of pressure to, to lead Tottenham and mm-hmm. get them the goals to, to drive them up the table. Yep. If the 10, 15 goals, I'm not sure the stats exactly, that Christian Eriksen scores a season are taken away, you're asking for a mammoth task than, than from Kane. Um, aside from the fact that it could have a knock-on effect throughout the team, you know, last season was the situation with Toby Alderweireld. Mm-hmm. We saw then how Pochettino dealt with that situation. There's an argument to be made that Aldebarad was able to be left out of the team because they could they could bring Davidson Sanchez in. He's not as good as Aldebarad, in my opinion. They can't really replace Ericsson with the players they've got. Well, I mean, ultimately, I think what's going to be interesting with Tottenham this season, you know, we've all said obviously they've had a they've had a slow start. They're already behind the pack. You've got Ericsson out of contract next summer. You've got Alderweireld out of contract next summer. You've got Vertonghen out of contract next summer. How invested are they going to be? Yeah. When they sort of, you know, sort of start getting into the latter end of the season and they might not be where they need to be. At this point in time, it looks like they won't be where they need to be. Yeah. Um, from a Premier League perspective, who knows in the Champions League? You know, it, sort of Levy's had the game played against him. Mm-hmm. Uh, the game that he's played so well for the past, uh, for the well, for the whole time he's been in charge of Tottenham, he's having that played against him now um, with, with with player power. I found that quite interesting to, to watch and have a look at, really, because he's always been able to get these big contract extensions yeah. over the line, and that's sort of not happening anymore. So, yeah, that'll be one to watch, I think, this, this well, year. Well, they basically, they've handed Christian Eriksen to all their rivals. Yeah. 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 I, don't, I don't think he'll stay in England, though. I do think he, he wants to move to, to the continent. You, you, mm. you could say that they are doing a bit of an Arsenal. 
Yeah, very yeah. true, Richard, yeah. actually. Yeah. No, there's... Tottenham fan would admit that, but yeah, no. yeah, I think that's fairly close. Um, there's one man that we've naively uh, not even mentioned yet or brought up. He could have a real say in tomorrow's uh, proceedings, Jack. It, 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 some say he looked like an owl, that maybe that's that's not my words. Um, it's Roy Hodgson on the sidelines. <laughs> Loves a game like this. Got Gary Cale at the back. That Defensively, they've been performing better than expected. We spoke about Laporte, Van Dijk. How important is Wilfred Zaha to that Crystal Palace team and where's his head at? Well, if it... <sighs> If he don't play, they don't score, do they? No. Um, I think because he's quite a dedicated professional, I don't think they're going to have a problem until the kind of transfer window um, comes round. And it was interesting to read this week that he's he's binned his agent off um, because he didn't he didn't get a, didn't get the move that he wanted. Didn't do the job he was there for. Well, yeah, and it's um, I think it might be all right for a couple of months with him. Yeah, and he's gonna because he's playing for a move, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. I know. Yeah. I know he's an exceptional player, off. and everybody knows that. But you still have to be. You still have to be uh, performing. Um, I mean, interesting one from a Palace perspective at the start of the season is Jordan Ayew. Yeah, he's that looked quite threatening. And it's strange, like a different player of, to what I've watched before. It's such a strange thing with with Jordan Ayew where he he's not. You don't really know where he plays. Like theoretically, he shouldn't be playing up front, but he is. But then. He is only really on paper because he's not really up front. He just kind of hangs around, and, and and for some reason he's he's getting goals. He's he surprised me more than anyone in that Palace team that he's he's getting the odd key goal. Like, Palace, it just seems like such a a mad setup that Hodgson is managing to hold together very very strong defensively, really really organised. But there just seems these great swathes of pitch between a pretty stoic midfield three. And then it's a case of, as, as we said, Zahar get the ball, get up the pitch, and see if we can nick a goal. Mm-hmm. How? that will, will play out for them for the rest of the season remains to be seen. And I think, as we, we mentioned, the potential for Zahar leaving in January. What does Hodgson do if he sells him? Because they're probably going to be bottom half of the table at that stage, still very much in with a chance of going down. Why would he sell him and potentially go down? So then you're dealing with a situation, if they deny him a move a second time, do the toys come out of the pram then? Do you think there's the potential that now he's he's reasonable and gone, look, I can see why you didn't accept a bid for me but in January, when they say, no, you're staying because we'll go down without you, we could see a different side to him. Yeah, I think the other thing is they they probably looked at the clubs that were in for him in the summer and went, well, why the hell should we sell him to Everton? Yeah. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. They, yeah, no, they, they I would see him as that. a far better player than that. Yeah. And they, well, no chance. And there's also a ceiling of what Everton would play. I think, uh, sorry, pay. It, but also within that, who else do you see in the Premier League paying more money or a better side than Everton coming in for him. I know there was talk of Arsenal, but I think obviously that was kind of pushed to the side once Pepe became an option for them. But now... I mean, does he look abroad though? Is that, we not even discounted do, that? Do we? Do you see him playing abroad? The, the style of play that he has? I think he's I think he's quite suited to the Premier League as, as a physical wide attacker. Rich, the one we spoke about where we did a transfer podcast over the summer, one we spoke about was maybe Zahar... Uh, linking up at Bayern Munich, lost Robin, lost Ribery, still yep. not really replaced them. Sane obviously didn't go. I mean, is is that out of the realms of possibility? Don't think so. I'd love to see it. I mean, or Sancho move on, Zaharin uh, over at Dortmund. See, Could to me, Sancho leaving in the in January doesn't seem like a, a distinct possibility just because of the money that's going to be needed to fought out. I no, think it's going to cost a hell of a lot of money. Yeah, yeah, yeah he will. And that's not January saying. money, generally speaking. No. It, it's not. I think um, I think one thing just just sort of back on Palace is that they've sort of dealt with um, the absence of Wambasaka 
you know, for the first few games, yeah. almost like you would if someone was out and in, in, you know, injured, something like that. I think that's probably one where they, they may get exposed um, as the season goes on. You know, he was class act for them last year. Obviously, they've got Ward sort of playing in the right back position, but, you know, he can get exploited a little bit more, um, you know, than Wan-Bissaka. So I think, uh, you know, I think that just as well, if, if Zahar kind of, you know, starts to wobble or starts to get distracted again, then mm-hmm. that problem opens up as well at the back. You know, we could see see their nice start maybe come Slide. to a bit of an end. Yeah. Right, gents, we've seen it. Crystal Palace go to Old Trafford and get a result. We've seen Newcastle go to Spurs and get a result. Jack, I'm going to start with you. Prediction time. What are you thinking? This is probably the toughest one to call so far. Um, yeah, it is, isn't it? And we've had United-Leicester, <laughs> so that's pretty mad to say as well. 2-0 Spurs. <laughs> Kane in the goals. Have you still got him in your team? Uh, I'll discuss off air I was thinking about putting Aguero <laughs> but I'll WhatsApp you uh, what about you Fergal uh, one all I was going to go for nil nil but I, you know, I never like to predict the nil nil because they never they never seem to happen when you say it. I just think Palace are going to go set up to be really really rigid Tottenham have got too much quality to not score you would think and I just think you know the likes of Ayu even Benteke Zaha Palace just seem to get one chance so far this season and bury mm-hmm. it and that's it and then it's Quick lads, get back. Yeah. And I, I can see that happening this weekend. Rich, what are you going for? I'm going to go with 3-1 to Spurs. Yeah, playing Jane, I knew you'd do something like that. Very simple. <laughs> um, we I'm discussed... a simple man. Yeah. A simple uh, man. You know, to put yourself down like that. Uh, right, so now we've discussed the big three games. We're going to hear from Jim from on the left side, who is looking at the massive issue that we really shouldn't even be talking about in 2019. <laughs> When Romelu Lukaku left Manchester United to join up with Inter Milan, I guess one of the things he was probably looking forward to was not hearing the old Trafford crowd calling him fat or singing songs about the size of his What he probably wasn't prepared for was what was going to be shouted at him from the stands instead. Just before this international break, during Inter's Syria ag game against Cagliari, the big Belgium was subject to monkey chants from the opposition fans. It's disgusting, it's shameful and it's shocking. But maybe not quite as shocking as the reaction from an Inter Milan fan group. Far from defending their new summer signing, in an open letter to Lukaku, published by the group Curva Nord, they claimed that the abuse directed at their new man was not in fact racist in any way. We understand that it could have seemed racist to you, but it's not like that. Please consider this attitude of Italian fans as a form of respect for the fact they are afraid of you, for the goals you might score against their teams, and not because they hate you or they are racist. Even if the chanting wasn't racist, I've got a feeling that that accent might have been. But seriously, an act of respect. I'm not buying that. And if you are, then go into work tomorrow and call your boss a knobhead and see if you can get away with the same excuse. In a similar way to how hanging out a van door and shouting, Nice jugs! I'd love to have a go on those melons! is sexual harassment and not, in fact, a way to show support for the feminist movement by showing considered appreciation for the female form, this is most certainly not a mark of respect being shown to a black footballer. Interestingly, in the same week, Inter have chosen to launch their third kit, which, ironically, is black. But 
At least the club now know if the fans start to really slag it off on Twitter, it means they actually love it. You can find more from On The Left Side in our weekly podcast. Find us wherever you listen to podcasts. You can find more from On The Left Side. Just search for them whenever you find the podcasts. Follow them on Twitter at On The Left Side. Um, the racist chanting that Jim was talking about was a few weeks ago now. And since then, Denver Bar has encouraged black players to not just play in Syria. Is that the right way to deal with this problem, Rich? I mean, it's 2019. Like Jim said, we shouldn't even be talking about this issue, should we? Yeah, we shouldn't I think I don't know it seems like so hard I think Denver Bar's point is obviously you know valid in terms of no one deserves to be subject to that and if the only solution is not putting yourself in that position then so be it but it doesn't I don't think it obviously solves the problem maybe it teaches a lesson to an extent but I think you know as we know with these things it's education and unfortunately and and also I think a lot of people are quick to say they're not football fans that sort of stuff that they are there's a problem um and it's not just exclusive to Italy unfortunately um yeah got, very got your own house in order totally well I, I think when you when you look at the situation as Rich said it's, it's not just an issue in, in Italian football or in, or in Serie A everybody can everyone is very quick to say oh I'm a football fan I go home and away with my team and I never hear this or I've never heard that that doesn't you know, dissuade from the fact that these people are football fans. They might not be on the same train as you going to a game or they might not be sitting next to you in the ground, but it is an issue and it's it's creeping into Premier League and English football. It's obviously more, um, I wouldn't necessarily say it's more prevalent in in, uh, in Italian football, but it's certainly more over in Italian football. Mm-hmm. And I just think everybody needs to ensure that they remain with an open mind and open ears and open eyes to what is going on around them. Because the worst thing that we can do, as, as Rich said, in, in terms of, educating and, and being aware of these things. The worst things the worst thing, sorry, that we can do is to ignore this and pretend that, oh, it's an Italian problem or yeah. oh it's only a problem in the lower leagues or it's only a problem here or it's only this club. This club's only the only racist one. It isn't. Everybody within football has a responsibility to be mindful of their own behaviour and be mindful of other football fans' behaviour. Well, I think that's an issue that's going to rumble on and on and on, very sadly. But we've got the rest of the Premier League games to preview. Quick little roundup coming up now. Jack, we've got Liverpool versus Newcastle. On paper, it seems like plain sailing, but do you see it going that way? Yeah, it'd be an absolute walkover, wouldn't it? Yeah? Yeah. It's, um, I mean, Newcastle have been... They always see, Newcastle always seem to be half an hour away from absolute mutiny. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that is a yeah. fantastic description. It's I so think you're accurate. actually being kind saying half an hour, to be honest. <laughs> but I mean, they'll kind of Steve Bruce sets usually sets his teams up really well. Um, it'll be kind of a four-five-one, won't it? And they'll try and yeah. stifle them as much as they can. But Liverpool are just way too good. They're used to that as well now, aren't they? Yeah. I think when you look at the situation that. Newcastle find themselves in this season if this was Rafa Benitez's Newcastle and if it was a maybe a later stage in the season you could potentially throw Newcastle a bit of a lifeline but that just isn't the case the, the Tottenham game that they won was one of the most bizarre games I've watched so far this season in that Tottenham were painted that they played terribly but they didn't they just couldn't really finish any chances Newcastle got one chance scored and it wasn't back to the wall great defending it was just everything was so bizarre it was like Tottenham can you not see that they're not marking you. And then Newcastle, it was a case of, can you not see that they don't seem to know what they're doing? You might get a second goal. It was so, so, so strange. But I can't see that being replicated at, at, at Anfield. And yeah, I agree. I think Liverpool, very, very comfortable. I mean, the Spurs game was just Paul Dummett throwing himself at 
stuff, yeah. wasn't it? Oh, yeah. Fantastic. You like to see that, though. Local lad throwing himself about, <laughs> don't you? Rich, Joe Linton got on the score sheet. He got his first goal. Uh, did it at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. Can he do it at Anfield, or do you see it being a, a walkover? No, I think, uh, you know, thinking about this game earlier, and it was just, you know, the only thing that, main thing that struck was how, you know, sort of numb Newcastle are uh, in the attacking sense. And, uh, and ultimately, I don't really see, you know, kind of, Van Dijk and Co being uh, being challenged too much at the back, um, you know, like you're saying, Jack. I think that setup is, is is probably what will happen with Bruce, and he's going to say scrap, dig in, you know, maybe frustrate the crowd. But I think that that Anfield crowd know what's possible. They they you know again here's another stereotype for you. <laughs> they, they suck the ball into the goal, yeah. and uh, and I think they'll probably do it about three or four times. Yeah, I just got a great mental image in my head there, Rich. Um, Jack, we're going for predictions all around the table. Um, what are you going for for this one? Um, four nil Liverpool. Fantastic. Three uh, nil Liverpool. Rich, I'll go five nil. Two. Liverpool. Fantastic. Just have to double check there. Uh, finally, on the Premier League preview as well, I wanted to bring up, uh, which I thought was going to be, we were talking earlier about that sort of race for the top six and a team that many people thought were going to be there at the top of the season was Wolves. Uh, they've got a tricky Europa League campaign coming up, Jack. Um, you'll know that from how bad that can affect teams from City to United. Obviously, they can cope with that a bit more, but has that really affected them in this season? Yeah, I think it does. I mean, I covered, um, I covered Burnley's brief flirtation with the Europa League last year it was brief as well wasn't it very brief <laughs> I think they were quite happy about that um, and it does it com- completely affected them in the first few weeks they kind of and there was a there was a weird kind of thing that Deitch was doing was that he didn't really know what sort of team he should be playing mm. like they kind of they almost wanted to go for the Europa League but then didn't and then it was like this halfway house where it was like they didn't obviously they didn't get through the third qualifying game and then the results dipped in the Premier League as well um, and not, no one came out of it looking looking particularly brilliant and the, the best thing to do in that situation is just kind of go right this is this is exactly what we're doing we're mm-hmm. going to focus on this or we're going to try and play our best team in both competitions and if we pick up injuries then we pick up injuries that's just what but you need to be very clear about it because we're kind of picking half a team and not really sure yeah. doesn't really get you anywhere I mean if you if your team got into Europe Blackpool if they ever did make the promise, would you mm. want to see them go? We almost f- got there in 2010. You did actually, yeah, yeah. with the Fair Play League. Yeah, yeah. I, mean, I think the first <laughs> game would have been in the in the Faroe Islands. Well, it's a good trip away. That would have been great. A few that. good bars on the yeah. Faroe Islands. My <laughs> beloved Birmingham did it in 2011. Got into the group stages in the Championship. Rich, would you like to see Blackburn? Would you? Would, though, if Premier League survivals on the line because we've seen it with clubs get like West Brom getting rid of Pulis and they go down. Burnley suffered really badly at the start of the season. Wolves have gone full hog. Is that the right thing to do? I think it annoys me when, you know, clubs get into the Europa League and then it's seen as some sort of distraction mm-hmm. because it's like, well, what's Do you mean the, that for the top teams or for the, point? for the lower teams? Every team. Every team. It's it's like, well, otherwise, what, what are you doing? What's the reason for, for, you know, kind of finishing where you did or getting into the final or something like that? So I think you've got to go for it. I mean, obviously, getting... It's not easy. I think that's really clear, and there's a, a really obvious correlation between uh, teams flirting within the uh, sort of top six, seven, eight, and getting Europa League, and then doing quite badly the next season. Uh, I don't think that will be the case with with, with Wolves, but um, you know, enjoy it. I think that's the main thing. They've got yeah. to enjoy yeah, it. Yeah. It's an experience, and they they may never get to do it again. 
I think that well, speaking of Chelsea, who they're playing as well. Yeah, I remember the season when Chelsea didn't get them to Europe; they finished ninth, and then the season after they won the Premier League. Now, I'm not saying Wolves are going to do that, Fergal, but do, do you think that this is uh, if if you're a fan of Wolves, you want them to be taking it seriously? If you are ending up in the Faroe Islands, that's 400 quid out your bank account. And you don't yeah. want to see the under 18s playing, do you? No, no, not at all. I think Wolves are in that that little block of teams that are going to be scrapping for seventh between now and the end of the season, and Wolves fans know that it's a bit of a toss of a coin as it was right at the end of the season Wolves got 7th based on Watford's capitulation Everton's you know inability to win away from Goodison mm-hmm. and Wolves just stayed nice and steady and just got themselves over the line whereas you look at the situation with Watford they, they clearly let their eye be taken off the ball by the FA Cup final against Man City and that, that just derailed them in the league um, and I think with Wolves there's a chance that they'll be in the conversation, but because it is such a kind of, they've got a one in three, one in four chance of getting seventh, they have to go for it. And you look at the way they play, you look at the players in that Wolves team, you know, we could dedicate an entire podcast to to Jorge Mendes and, and the relationship with Sporting Lisbon and, you know, and the, where, that, pronunciation there, where, so that particular, where that particular gravy train is going to. But the situation that they have, you look at that team and you look at, if they were to get into the, the last 32 or the last 16 and when the teams start dropping down from the Champions League, that's when they'd be really up against it. I don't think they're going to have too many issues in the group stage. They've got real quality, they've got leadership, they've got goal scorers and they've got through that Sporting Lisbon contingent, they've got players that have played Champions League football before. So they've got way more nows than than probably the, you know, the, the Burnleys who got there, the the other sides who've got seventh, Everton in the past. They've got way more nows about them. It's mm-hmm. just whether the squad is too thin. Nuno Santos made some good signings over the summer. He's brought Jimenez in on a permanent deal. Yep. He's brought Dundonker in on a permanent deal, but he hasn't really added to the squad. They were there last season. We're still talking about a squad that actual players that you'd want to play in Premier League football or Europa League football, it's probably only maybe 2021. And I think realistically, you, you need more in the region of 24, 25. I'd love to know if this like issue of yeah, sort of getting into the Europa League and then potentially that affecting league form is exclusive to to the Premier League because you know if if it's not then ultimately there there may be an issue but mm-hmm. but you know the aim for Wolves and 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 again I don't think they're they're going to break into the top 6 this year I think it's uh Wolves Leicester Everton that battle for 7th or 8th what are they going to deem success for me I would say they qualify out of the group stage mm-hmm. for the Europa League they finish 7th this year qualify you know sort of you know through 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 some means maybe for the Europa League yeah. again that's a good season you know ultimately I think this is where clubs can start to get above their station again and yeah. go oh we have to be challenging for fourth or top six or something yeah. and, and ultimately there's only four teams that can get in there, there. is yeah. And, yeah. and there's six strong teams yeah United aren't where they five need to be five, <laughs> yeah five and a half that's good so again, it's this like reality check on what does success look like for Wolves this year, and I think taking the Europa League seriously is going to be a, a big factor in that. Getting out of the group stage, and yeah, maybe see if they can get a Champions League team and give the fans something to to, to you know get behind. Well, you don't want anyone breaking that top six because the steak dinner's riding on it. That's what you really mean, anyway. You're spouting your propaganda because you don't want to get me a peppercorn sauce, Jack. Just finally, we haven't mentioned Chelsea. Frank Lampard's. I mean, he's, let's be honest, he's had a. Not a great start to the season. I think if he didn't have that Norwich result, well, I wouldn't say fans would be calling out because they, they love him more than they probably love the parents. But can he, I mean, what can he do at Chelsea with that squad that he's got? I think it's a complete free hit this year. Yeah, just because of... The, for two reasons. One, because of the ban. And two, because he's Frank Lampard. Yeah. I th- <sighs> I, 
can't envy him, really. No. I mean, he's got... I mean, the options going forward, there's not a great deal there, no. is there, really? It's... You just think of the games last season with Hazard, that he would just... There'd be so many games, particularly at Stamford Bridge, where it'd be nil-nil, or they might be one ahead, and he'd just get the ball, beat three players, and score. And he'd, he'd do that with such regularity that when that leaves a team... And, and, you know, Chelsea do still have quality in attack, but he was such the catalyst for that, creating goals and creating space as well. Defenders were so frightened of him that he would he'd drag fullbacks across into corners to, you know, open up space for, for Giroud or for Pedro or for Willian. That's now gone. Teams now know we're, we're facing Chelsea. It is difficult, but we're not coming up against Eden Hazard. Gents, prediction time, final one of the show. Rich, I'll start with you. What are you going for? This, for me, is actually the hardest one of the weekend. Is it? Yeah. Come I'm on, mate. I'm going to go for... <laughs> Sweat uh, beating down off his head. Two... All. Two, two. Two, two. God, let's get off the fence. <laughs> Fergal, what are you going for? Uh, I'm going to go for Wolves to win. Think, nice. That's think, what I want, yeah. Rich. I think Chelsea have been very, very, very inconsistent and very strange so far this season where Wolves... Bit of now, lots of goals, so I'm going to go Wolves 2-1. like that, Fergal. Jack? One each. One each. Well, I can't... I there know. you go. You're going to have a go at Jack. Jack! <laughs> That's a very sensible prediction, actually. If you look at the expected XG of uh, both teams, it's 1-1 one, one for me. It's as the well. benefit of being new, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. Um, fantastic. Gents, thank you very much to, for joining me today. Massive thanks to Rich, Fergal and Jack. And don't forget, we're not just a daily podcast as well. You can get all your Premier League news with updates on 20 Premier League teams every single day. Simply ask your Amazon Alexa device to enable sports. Social will be back very, very soon. Enjoy the Premier League because it's back. Football Social Daily. Get daily news and updates on your team via your Amazon Alexa. Just ask Alexa. Open Sports Social. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.